Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that we can meet with you this morning and just spend this time with you. What a precious day of the week to take time to just be with you. And we just ask that this morning you'd open our eyes to see things as you see them and you'd open our ears to hear your voice and just speak to us through the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great. Well, last Sunday, Don spoke about the gospel of grace. And so this morning, I felt that I should build on that by taking a few thoughts on living a grace-filled life. I can't cover everything, but we'll, we'll just cover a few thoughts. And Jesus encourages us with these words. And he says, I have come that you might have abundant life. In John 10, verse 9 and 10, it says, Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Whoa, that's our inheritance in Christ. And I just want you to take just a few moments, you might want to shut your eyes, but just imagine Jesus standing in front of you and just um, he's offering you abundant life. What do you think that looks like? What would you expect it to look like? I'm sure it won't be like my grandchildren. The other day they said to me, Nanny, um, this is how they measure abundant life. Eleven and nine-year-olds. Nanny... um, You should sell everything you have and buy a Lamborghini. (laughs) They're into cars. Um, No. (laughs) Before we come to Jesus, we see life through our natural eyes, and that's where they're at. (laughs) And when we're born of God's spirit, we begin to see through our spiritual eyes. Our God, it's a God perspective of life, whereas before that we can only see it with our natural eyes. I love this example in Genesis uh, chapter 13, where Abram and his nephew Lot, they were shepherds out looking after their flocks in Bethel, but there came to a time when there wasn't enough water or pasture for them all, and they had realized that they'd have to split up and go in two different ways. So Abram said to Lot, his nephew, Well, you choose what land you want, and I'll take what's left. So Lot looks around everywhere, and looks. they were on a mountain, I think, looks across and says, oh, look at Jordan, look at that area. That has got so much water. Look at all the pasture. You know, that's the place. He said, I'll take that. So Abraham was left with uh, not so good land, but God... After that happened, God spoke to Abraham, or he wasn't Abraham then, he was Abraham, and said, I will give you the rest of the land, Abram, and to your descendants, and my blessing will be on you and your family, your descendants and your land. 
see our spiritual eyes when we're born again, when we believe in Jesus, give us the ability to see where God's blessing is and his presence is. And that is the best place. That is the best choice. It may not in the natural be the best place to look at, but no, choose where God's presence is and where he wants you to walk in life. That's the place to go. How do we develop the ability to see through spiritual eyes? I've just got a few thoughts here that would encourage us and help us. It's through abiding in Christ. When we're born again, like Don said last week, it's by grace. We're born of a spirit when we believe in Jesus or we receive Jesus. But we've got to daily abide in Christ, daily um, ignite that faith. And when you wake up in the morning, believe, yes, Jesus, you're real. You know, remind yourself. Daily choose to draw from his love. Take time to be still and know that he is God. He's the lover of our souls. And what he longs for is intimacy with us. And that we will get to know the one who is the living word. Also encourages us to depend on him with childlike faith. Young children live with mystery all the time. They don't know how or why things happen. But they simply trust their parents or caregivers. In the same way, to be childlike in our faith is to live with the mysterious and trust the Father's goodness. And when circumstances appear to contradict this, we trust him. He is always good. We believe in his faithfulness and who he says he is. An example of this would be my grandchildren at the moment. They're also into cars, but they're also into dinosaurs. And when we chat about God and creation, they ask me, Nanny, how do you know that the Bible's true? In that attitude. <laughs> and I say to them, well, I know that Jesus is real. And if he's real, then the Bible, God's word, must be true. So the other way that we grow spiritually, that ability to see spiritually, is through reading the word. It's God's love letter to us. And he reveals his character to us as we read it. And lastly, the thought I had is surrendered hearts. He wants all of us. And there's a scripture in 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9 that says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's looking for whose hearts are turned towards him because he wants to strengthen us. True worship is to be fully yielded and surrendered to him. When we were new Christians, Don and I um, attended the same church in Hamilton. We'd come from different parts of the country and God had led us to Hamilton. And I watched in the youth group as he dated some of the young women in the church. Several of them, not just one. I watched. But one morning at a prayer meeting, we both went to before work at the cathedral. Don came to the place of full surrender to God's plan for his life partner. And he said to the Lord, I'm tired of doing this. I'll marry whoever you want me to. 
what happens when you surrender? God opens your eyes. And he happened to look around the room and see me. For the first time, I think he noticed me because God opened his eyes. And what attracted him to me was my love for the Lord. You hadn't seen that before. <laughs> anyway, the rest is history. <laughs> Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. That's how we get connected to God, through Jesus. And this is not from ourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. The verse then goes on to say, for we're God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance to us for us to do. It's not good works that save us, we're saved to do good works. We were made for a purpose, each one of us in this room. God has a special work in mind for each one of us here, before we were even born. He had a purpose and he intentionally created us for. He intends, as we, as we connect with him through Jesus, to put a dream and a vision in our hearts for us to pursue. It will be a purpose that builds God's kingdom and helps with his mission to connect people to his love. We're invited to the most meaningful life possible, a, a life in partnership with the creator of the universe. Wow. Wow. And on our faith walk, we're encouraged not to despise the day of small beginnings. When you think, Jesus, God says, so, a faith the size of a mustard seed. They reckon you can hardly see it. It's that insignificant. That's all you need to connect with Jesus and to have a relationship with God, that tiny bit of faith. Never despise. You might think, don't compare yourself with others. Just use the faith you've got and believe in him. It's enough. When God of the universe deposits his Holy Spirit in you when you're born again, that incorruptible seed in you will produce good fruit. It will heal, bring healing and restoration of your life. It's by grace that we're saved through faith. And God is passionately, 100% committed to seeing us fulfill those good works I talked about before in that scripture in Ephesians. He's 100% committed to help you walk in what he has for you. Don't throw away your confidence in him. Don't put your confidence in yourself. Put it in him. In Hebrews 10 verse 23 to 25, you see, he, God believes in us. Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures. He believes in us. He knows we can do it. In Hebrews 10 verse 23, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some of the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. 
I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, if you can remember it, I'm here to encourage you to fulfill the good works God has prepared for you. Can you do that? (laughs) Even if you say, I'm here to encourage you. That's what we're here for. That's why we meet together. We're here to encourage each other to fulfill the good works God's got for us. We are God's handiwork, his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And in part of that handiwork, he prepares us. He prepares us. Isaiah 64 verse 8 says, Yet you, Lord, are our father. We're the clay. You are the potter. We're all the work of your hand. I love the way he prepared David to fight Goliath. He did it in the everyday routine of daily life as a shepherd. And I'm really challenged when I think of that. And I think, you know, a lot of our lives, especially us housewives, is routine. Cook a meal, everyone eats it, it's gone. You have to cook it again the next day. They're washing the clothes, wash them, oh, they're ready to do again the next day. Same with the housework. Over and over, the same over and over and over. But God walks in us and every day wants to, just in the everyday routine of our mundane, 90% lives, mundane, he wants to speak to us. He wants to talk to us. He wants to commune with us. And um, just like he would have with David, and he was preparing him. He prepares us just in those simple daily tasks. He's working in us working in our hearts, and just take the time, you know, when you're doing those routines, just to listen, listen to the Holy Spirit in you, and expect God to talk to you, yeah, anyway, he went on, David went on to fight Goliath, but there was a lot of prep work that was done before, then look at Joseph, look at Joseph, he was prepared in a dysfunctional family, How many of us or people you know are living in dysfunctional families? That does not limit God. Doesn't limit God. The key to him being who he God wanted him to be was that he loved God. He didn't let the offences, and he had so many of them, destroy him. He chose to believe God loved him, God had a plan, and God would fulfill it. God also, in his handiwork, part of the clay, the potter, he disciplines us. Everyone loves this verse, don't they? Hebrews 12, verse 5 and 6. Do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he corrects everyone he accepts as his son or daughter. I just want to look at a few examples here. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 to 10, if you're taking notes, you can look it up. And I read this and I go, wow, wow. Listen to this, this is what Paul says. In order to keep me from becoming conceited or proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. 
Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God would do that? Yes, because he knows that when we're weak, we need him. When we're proud, we'll fall, we'll crash and burn. He'll do anything to keep us on the track, to fulfill his good works he's prepared for us. Oh, and Jonah, the guy in the whale, that's the story we remember by, he was asked to go by God to the wicked city of Nineveh and to warn them that God was going to destroy them in 40 days if they didn't repent. But Jonah went on a ship in the opposite direction. Why? Because in his heart, he did not want God to show mercy to the wicked people of Nineveh. That's why he went the other way. And so God had to arrange a storm, and then eventually Jonah um, admitted he was running from God, and so the sailors threw him over, and the storm ceased. Then God had to arrange a whale to pick him up. But I love this But Listen to this. Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of a whale before he opened his heart to God. Yeah, I thought if it was me in a whale, I think one hour would be enough. <laughs> I think I'd be saying, God, get me out of here. I'm sorry, get me out of here. He took three days and three nights to say, I'm sorry, God. I think you've got, you know, I'll, I'll give up my wanting to punish those people, which is what his heart was. I want to punish them and I'll choose your way of mercy and I'll go to them. And when he did that, God spewed him out of the whale. God will work. He will never force us to do anything. And I love the way you look at Jonah there. God is working to change his heart, to get him to think and choose the way God lives, which is always motivated by love, not out of punishment, like Jonah would have them all punished. God wanted to give them a chance and wanted to reach out to them. Because he says in 1 Corinthians 13, doesn't he, um, that if it's without love, it's nothing. God always and everything is motivated by love. And he wants to turn our hearts to be like that. And he'll move heaven and earth to get your heart to turn like that, which is good. We're in good hands. Good hands. It might be painful sometimes, but we're in good hands. God, the master craftsman, never gives up on us, ever. He works unceasingly to bring us to the place of willingly surrender, surrendering our will to his will. I can picture God watching over Jonah through all of this, and I reckon he wasn't angry or despairing because he knew that Jonah could do this. His heart was, as, as it says, love is patient, kind, that, those verses. Love believes all things. And he was looking at Jonah and thinking, you can do this, Jonah. How long is it going to take? One day in the whale? One, two, oh, three days. <laughs> I'll get you there. You can do it. 
God has that attitude towards each one of us and he wants us to have that same attitude towards ourselves. We can do what God wants us to do through Christ who strengthens us and helps us. And encourage you to draw from God's belief in you. God needs us to tell others of his love. This isn't about God punishing Jonah's disobedience. It's much bigger than that. And this is where we need the spiritual eyes to see as God sees, to see life as he sees it. It's about how much God cares about those who are destined for eternal separation from him and how he needed Jonah to take that message to the people. So he arranged a storm and a whale to get Jonah on the right course. In Romans 10 verse 14, it says, But how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? For myself, I very um, this was very real, but like the Jonah um, story, in the sense that in response to God putting a desire in my heart many years ago to teach uh, Bible in school and share Jesus with children, I've been teaching it for many years now. And but about eight years ago, uh, church life became really busy here, and I was asked to do full time. And to do that, I had to drop Bible in school. But several months after doing that, I had a dream, and this was the dream. In the dream, I was asked to babysit a young girl, and I said, yes, I would. And they told me what time to be there, and so I was going to be there on time, and I'd look after her. But I was so busy that I arrived late at the home. And when I got there, I couldn't find the girl. I began frantically looking for her everywhere. Then the scene changed and I was sitting with the mother apologising to her for not looking after her daughter who had drowned in a nearby swimming pool. Now I woke up from that and I knew God was trying to tell me something. It was so impacting in the dream. And I sought the Lord and I said, you know, what are you trying to show me? And he said, That young girl represented me taking the gospel to the children at the school. And my busyness had meant that he wasn't able to reach those children through me. So I went straight away after that and asked Pastor Don, can I go back and do Bible in school and cut my hours back at work? There was no way I wasn't going to respond to that one. God is able and will move heaven and earth to get his message of hope to people through us. And I believe he asks us, will we abandon ourselves to his heart to allow him to love us and then to give us love for others? God reaches down to us in grace with Jesus and says, I want you to know me and I want to have a relationship with you. But the response he longs for from us is, I want to know you, Lord, 
I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to give me your heart. I want to partner with you for your plans for my life. As we stay connected to God through Jesus, he promises to write his plans by his Holy Spirit on the fleshy tables of our hearts. We can do this. And when we receive God's love and believe in Jesus, we're given the power to become children of God. I love these two verses. In John 1 verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, that's Jesus, as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become sons or daughters of God, even to them who believe in his name. That's simple. And then in Romans 8 verse 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God. And to me that's the key. As we let God lead us and show us the way to go and we follow in obedience, we are. We go from having the power to be his children to being his daughters and his sons. And so my challenge would be for each one of us today is to determine to be a person who's led by his spirit. Doing all those things that help us see life as God sees us and the plans he has for us. And then trusting him to fulfill those plans through us. And if we're fighting them, he's going to work real hard. He'll give his best to get us to willingly choose that path he has for us. And that's awesome. That's so, we're in such good hands. He can do it through us if we just follow him. If the musicians could come, that would be awesome, thanks. I love this last verse I've got up here, which is 1 Peter 3 verse 15. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. And that has to be the key. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And just for a moment, just I want you to think, what is the hope in my heart that I have to share with people? God is calling each one of us to live a life empowered by his grace. We don't have to do it in our own strength. We're born again of his spirit. His love, his strength and his plans. And in his word he encourages, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author, he's the beginning and the finisher of our faith. If you keep your eyes on him, you'll get there. We'll get there. And he also promises that streams of living water will flow from the innermost part of our being. And that's the Holy Spirit will flow as we walk with him, as we live with him daily. Yeah.
In a minute, we're going to sing a song. But before that, I just encourage you to stand. And I just want to pray together. And I often say to the kids when I'm doing children's church, I'm going to pray a prayer, but if you want it, you say yes or amen. And it's like 100 prayers or 20 prayers instead of one. And God's here. He's met with us this morning. He's just hovering over each of our hearts and our lives, and he's watching for our response. So, Father, we just thank you so much for meeting with us this morning sharing your word with us, sharing your presence with us. And Father, we ask that you would give each one of us eyself to be able to see clearly your plans for our lives and what you have for us to walk in, Father. Father, we want to be able to see it clearly. And we just want to thank you too, that you're well able, if our heart resists that in any way or fights it, you are well able, Father, to turn our hearts, to make them willing. Lord, we surrender to you because we know that we are in hands that will mould us and make us into who we need to be in this season. And Father, we thank you so much. Lord Jesus, that you are well able to save us, well able to present us faultless before the Father. But we want to be before the Father, having fulfilled the good works that you've prepared for each single person in this room, Father. And Father, we look to you. We put our confidence in you to fulfill that in our lives as we partner and surrender with you to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh